The Gospel reading for this morning is Luke, 21st chapter, the 25th through the 36th verses, and reading as, as usual from the Common English Translation. <coughs> there will be signs, Jesus is talking about what happens in the future, what's to come. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth there will be dismay among nations in their confusion over the roaring of the sea and the surging waves. The planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken, causing people to faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. Then they will see the human one coming on a cloud with power and great splendor. Now when these things begin to happen, stand up straight and raise your heads, because your redemption is near. Jesus told them a parable. Look, for the fig, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that God's kingdom is near. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until everything has happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words certainly will not pass away. Take care that your hearts aren't dulled by drinking parties, drunkenness, and the anxieties of day-to-day -day life. Don't let that day fall on you unexpectedly, like a trap. It will come on everyone who lives on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert at all times, praying that you are strong enough to escape everything that is about to happen and to stand before the human one. This is the gospel of our risen Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to be God. God. That passage has been called, among other things, the most difficult passage to interpret in the whole Bible. There are many, many things that we have to wrestle with that, within, that, within that reading. The one thing I, I have to say about that right now, when you hear the human one, that's this modern translation. It is a very literal translation of what the original Greek said. But the original Greek was going back to the book of Daniel, and descri Jesus describes himself over and over again in the words uh, that are in Daniel about the Son of Man. The Son of Man is, uh, in Daniel, you, you all know, uh, an apocalyptic figure coming to restore God's kingdom. And so in this translation, when you hear him speaking about the human one, you can as easily say, son of man. And I always do when I'm reading by myself. We begin a new church year. We begin a new church year with uh, Advent. First Sunday in Advent. Advent includes the four weeks just before Christmas Day. And it's a season of, I say tension, but it's not an ad, it's just a kind of confusing time because it's looking in two directions at once. It's looking back to the first advent when Jesus comes as a baby, 
a human baby in the manger. And at the same time, it's looking ahead to when he comes back. And we are urged to focus on when he comes back. What are we doing to prepare ourselves and to prepare the world for his coming? The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all have this apocalyptic tone that, that we heard this morning. In fact, Luke is probably the gentlest of all of them. Matthew's Gospel recalls Jesus' warnings of war and persecution for his followers before he comes to claim his chosen people. And there's more than enough in chapter 24 of Matthew's Gospel to scare the daylights out of us. <coughs> chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel recalls Jesus telling the disciples that they'll have to suffer persecution, earthquakes, wars, and famine before he returns. And again in, in chapter 21 of Luke's Gospel that we just read, Jesus predicts the destruction of Jerusalem, which won't occur until A.D. 70, and it will occur then, and there was, would be much suffering along with it. It's no wonder that folks who want to think of Advent in terms that folks this time of year want to start thinking about Christmas and forget that we have a season of preparation for it. It's much more comforting to talk about angels and the trip from, from Nazareth down to uh, Bethlehem and, and the angels singing and the, all, the, all the comforting messages of Christmas. Much easier to do that than to think about a second coming. Advent, as I say, is about both comings, but all year long we celebrate the first one when we celebrate the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week. We celebrate his incarnation and his resurrection. Advent, on the other hand, is the only time when we look to the end in the lectionary anyway. When we remember that we're preparing our hearts and our minds for a second coming that has yet to be. So it's this the lessons this Sunday are not about John the Baptist or about Mary and Joseph. We hear the full grown Jesus talking about the end of the world, the need for Christians to stay alert, keep awake, in preparation for his second coming. The time remains uncertain, and when the disciples pressed Jesus to give them a timetable, he told them that no one, not even him, knows when it will be, and that it it is important for his followers to keep awake because we won't know till it happens. Many of us, in fact, I say most of us, are like the people that Jesus was talking to in that we've lived our whole lives and we've seen no indications that Christ is about to return. And so we've gotten a little bit jaded. We've turned our mind to other things and most of us in the United States have learned to live in a comfortable present with some reasonable prospect of planning for the future. 
And even after what we've seen since 9-11 and two decades of war in Afghanistan, we're largely unaffected by the sense of, of tribulation and disaster that people in other places, especially Christians in other places, know as a daily reality. <clears throat> so it's not surprising that preaching about the second coming is not very popular in American churches. So today I want to talk about a second coming that we can relate to. We don't have the foggiest idea what a second coming would be like in the future, the one that's described in, in the gospel readings that, that I referred to this morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm afraid I can't get wrapped up in that idea as a place to live my life. I recognize it as a doctrine of the church, as most of us will do this morning when we say the, the Apostles' Creed. I didn't check. We are doing the Apostles' Creed, aren't we? No. No? no. Nice. Nice. Okay. No. Well, well when, if we're doing the Nicene Creed, so much the better. That's the one that... Uh, we talk about Christ, in, in which we talk about Christ coming again to judge the living and the dead. I just can't maintain an attitude of expectation about it. And I imagine many of us, if we had the chance, would say, okay, now I'm ready for, I'm no more ready for the end of the world than I'm ready to die. I'm confident that I'm safe in God's hands so that death holds no terror for me. But the fact is, I'm enjoying my life just like I have it, and I'm not quite ready to quit yet. Whatever God wills, of course, but I'd be just as glad if the second coming doesn't happen in the next few minutes, few days, few years. Am I talking your language yet? Is there anybody who is saying, well, that's me too? To which I reply, can I have an amend on that? Nobody. Nobody wants to get excited about the end of time. I say that in the face of the bumper stickers that smugly proclaim that the driver of the vehicle is about to get raptured and that he or she will be, is, is looking forward to the occasion. Whistling in the dark. But the other second coming that I want to talk about this morning has a lot more excitement in it. And it happens to us all the time. There are unexpected moments, moments that are completely unpredictable, when Christ comes into our lives and our whole outlook on the world changes. When this happens, we're temporarily disoriented. We've been moved across the board and we don't recognize the landscape around us. People look different. Enemies become people we're trying to help. Along with Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, we know we're not in Kansas anymore. Or Timothy. We're, when Christ comes into our lives, it changes the world around us as much as we can imagine. 
in our gospel lesson today, Jesus says, stay alert at all times, praying that you're strong enough to escape everything that's about to happen. What he's doing there, I think, is calling each one of us to faithfulness. He's not telling us that we're to stay awake 24 hours a day being alert. On the contrary, being alert is a metaphor for faithfulness. When Jesus tells us to stay alert, he's, he's saying, be faithful. You know what to do. You can find what, you, what I want you to do right in front of you. You just have to keep looking. The little parable he tells in one of the Gospels about a master going on a journey and telling his doorkeeper to keep watch, which is uh, what the doorkeeper is supposed to do, is a call for us to be faithful. To be faithful while we are awaiting Jesus' return, to live faith-filled lives. To live lives that, that are undergirded by the scripture that we read, by study, and most of all by practice. Doesn't do to just sit in our rooms and read the Bible. Doesn't do to just sit in our rooms and pray. We've got to get our feet out the door as best we can. People do, people ought to be doing what they're able to do. Obviously somebody who is bedridden can't. And the highest gift and, and Christian practice that person can do is to pray for others. But we're, we're called to do the most we can. In spite of the fact that in any given time it may be inconvenient or may not fit our plans for the day of the week. There's a story Fred Craddock tells on, on himself when he was a young preacher in Oklahoma. If you all don't know Fred Craddock, he's been recognized as one of the, by, by one magazine and another as one of the best preachers in the United States. I believe he is no longer with us. I believe he's singing in another choir right now. Fantastic preacher if you get to read any of his stuff. He tells about a, a woman in his congregation, small church in, in uh, Oklahoma. And she was facing an operation and she called him in a panic. She was scared to death and needed to see him. So, so he went and <coughs> when he got there, he looked around and he didn't see a, a Bible anywhere. Saw a lot of movie magazines. And uh, as he put it, uh, there wasn't a spiritual calorie in the whole bunch. No Bible to be seen. No wonder, he said, she has no resources to deal with the storms of life. To deal with what Jesus is pointing to in today's reading, the, the tribulations, the trials that we will go through following him on our way to whenever that second coming is. If we're awake and looking for Christ around us, we'll begin to see him in all sorts of places. 
one of the one of the books that uh, Peterson, one of the, the translator of the message, one of the one of the books he wrote is called Christ Plays in a Thousand Places. We just need to be looking. We find him in communities that have been struck by natural disasters. We sometimes find him in our homes among our friends and our family in our workplaces and perhaps most surprising of all we we sometimes can find him in our own hearts being faithful means more than going about daily routines staying awake involves prodding ourselves to go places we haven't gone to do for others and to give for others all in his name and for his sake the important thing for us this morning is to know that to experience him, we need to be moving in his direction, whatever direction he's leading us in, however that may appear in our individual lives. It'll look different for every one of us. So this Advent season, let's focus on the possibility of his coming into our lives at any moment and transforming them. Let's look for him, let's listen for his voice, let's pray that our lives and the lives of those around us will be enriched by his grace and peace. Amen.